Job chapter 9. This is a good chapter of the Bible because it has another Old Testament reference to Jesus Christ. We'll get to that soon. Verse 1. And Job answereth and saith. Job is answering Bildad, the second friend who talked to him and told him that he needs to repent. 2. Truly I have known that it is so, and what, is man righteous with God? Job is saying, how can man be righteous before God? God makes us righteous, but we cannot be righteous on our own. It's impossible, because our flesh will always sin. The only reason that people can live a righteous life is because they have Jesus inside of them, and it's because of great faith. In the ancient times, and we've talked about this in previous books of the Bible, they did know that God had a son. There are multiple references in the Old Testament to God having a son and to God being a father. So the concept of God having a son goes way back before Abraham. So Job knew that God had a son, and he knew that his son was coming. King David knew about it. Isaiah knew about it and spoke about it in the Old Testament. It was not a New Testament concept at all, contrary to popular teaching today. In fact, when Jesus said that he was the Son of God, that was one of the reasons that he got crucified. The Pharisees knew that God had a Son. They just didn't want to believe that it was Jesus. And they knew that the Son of God is equated as God and with God. And they knew that Jesus was calling himself the one and only God. And that's why he was crucified. The only reason that Job was righteous was because he had faith in the Father and the Son. And that's the only reason that any of us are righteous. Our faith in Jesus imparts his grace into us, and by his righteousness, that's what makes us righteous. 3. If he delight to strive with him, he doth not answer him one of a thousand. Job is saying that if man tries to fight with God, he can't win one in a thousand times. 4. Wise in heart and strong in power, who hath hardened toward him and is at peace? Who has been hard against God and remained at peace? Because the only peace we can ever have is if God forgives us. And if we're not forgiven, we have no peace between us and the Father. 5. Who is removing mountains and they have not known? Who hath overturned them in his anger? Only God can remove mountains. And only God can turn mountains over in his anger. And this happens during earthquakes, floods, and things like that. And Job knew about when the continents were separated, and I'm sure some mountains got turned over in that process. And during the flood, some mountains got turned over too, and we still have geological evidence of that. Jesus in the New Testament said that by faith you can move a mountain, but again, it's God who has the power to move the mountain. It's only by faith that that power is imparted into us. We don't conjure that power up. 6. Who is shaking earth from its place, and its pillars move themselves? This is a very metaphorical chapter. He's talking about the earth as if it's set on pillars. A lot of people think this is literal, and the earth really is standing on physical pillars. These pillars are unseen, and it just means that the earth is established and it will not move. It's talking about the unseen establishments of God that he has made. But only God can shake the earth. 
7. Who is speaking to the sun, and it riseth not, and the stars he sealeth up? Who causes the sun not to rise? And God did that. Job lived before Joshua. But later on, when Joshua is alive, God will stop the sun for a day. But Job is saying that only God could do such a thing. 8. Stretching out the heavens by himself and treading on the heights of the sea. Isn't this a beautiful reference to Jesus as well? Because God did stretch out the heavens. He created them and caused them to go over earth. And Jesus actually did walk on the water. He walked in a small sea in the New Testament. So this is another reference to Jesus that I didn't notice before. 9. Making Osh, Kessel, and Kima, and the inner chambers of the south. This is talking about the constellations. Osh is the bear constellation, what we call the bear today. Kessel, that's the constellation that we call Orion today. And Kima is the Pleiades, that group of stars. And the constellations of the south is what Job is calling the chambers of the south. Only God made those constellations. 10. Doing great things till there is no searching, and wonderful till there is no numbering. All of the things that God has created are without numbering. You and I could never count them. 11. Lo, he goeth over by me, and I see not, and he passeth on, and I attended not to it. When God is around, we can't see him. You know, Jesus is with me now as I speak his name, but I don't see him. And God is everywhere, but we can't see him with our naked eyes. 12. Lo, he snatches away. Who bringeth it back? If God takes something from you, no one can give it back to you. Only God can give it back. Who saith unto him, What dost thou? Job is saying, Who could question God? None of us can question him. A lot of people pretend to, but they're just fooling themselves. On judgment day, they won't be able to speak. All these people that have so much to say about God, and they say, How could God do this? Why would God do that? This isn't my God. All those people who judge God or blaspheme him, on judgment day, they will be mute. They will stand before his throne, and there will be nothing that they can say to him. 13. God doth not turn back his anger. Under him bowed have proud helpers. Job is saying that God doesn't withdraw his anger. When he's angry, it's for righteous reason. Now, God has every right to continue being angry with us and not to withdraw his anger. But he does withdraw his anger sometimes. We've read many times in the Old Testament where he forgave the Israelites when they really didn't deserve it. But because they cried out and asked for mercy, he gave them mercy. But I think Job is referring to when you're proud, because he says the friends of the proud fall prostrate before the Lord. He won't withdraw his anger from the proud. 14. How much less do I? I answer him. Choose out my words with him. Job is saying, how can I respond to the Lord? There's nothing I could say that would move him. 15. Whom, though I were righteous, I answer not. For my judgment I make supplication. Job is saying, I can't answer him even if I were righteous. I can only beg him to judge mercifully toward me. Job is saying that he isn't righteous, and that's true. In his own flesh, he is not. Only Jesus is righteous. Only God in us 
causes us to be righteous. Our own flesh will continue to sin. And that's why Paul in the New Testament said that we have to die to ourselves on a daily basis. Because as long as our flesh is alive, we will sin. We're compelled to sin when we don't die to ourselves. Faith means on a daily basis that you're crucifying the flesh. You're dying to your own will and letting Jesus be alive and resurrected in you. That's how Job lived. Even though Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, Job was constantly denying himself, asking for forgiveness for when he did fall, and practicing obedience to the Lord. Yet he is not the righteous one. There's only one person who never sinned, and that's Jesus, not Job. 16. Though I had called and he answereth me, I do not believe that he giveth ear to my voice. Job says, even if God were to answer, I wouldn't believe that he was actually accepting what I say. Job is almost as confused as his friends are. He also believes that he's being punished, but Job knows he isn't guilty of anything because he was already forgiven for all the sins that he's asked forgiveness for, and he wasn't practicing sin, so he knows he's innocent, yet being punished. His friends believe that he's practicing sin. They're all confused. Job is a little less confused than they are, but he's still wondering why he's getting punished. He just cannot figure it out. And he doesn't realize that he's an example to the whole world, to hundreds of generations after him who will hear this story. He has no idea at this point what an example he is going to be to all of us. 17. Because with a tempest he bruiseth me, and hath multiplied my words for naught. Job says that God is using a storm to damage Job. And this is true. The house that his children were in collapsed in the wind. And then fire came that burned all of his sheep alive. And Job says, all my words have come to naught. Because he's been asking the Lord and he isn't getting an answer. Jesus would have said the same thing when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He spoke to the Father all night long and never heard one word back. But it's because the father had already told him what he was to do, and the father was testing him to see if he would obey. He permitteth me not to refresh my spirit, but filleth me with bitter things. Job is saying, I'm not even getting rest in between all of these waves of affliction. First one tragedy, then another tragedy, then another tragedy, then his health, then his friends accused him. There's no respite for Job. And still he hasn't been answered by the Lord. 19. If of power, lo, the strong one, and if of judgment, who doth convene me? This is when we're getting close to the reference to Jesus Christ. Job says, if it took strength to answer God, I don't have any. And when will my judgment day come? When will I be heard in court? The throne of God is a courtroom. On Judgment Day, all of us are going to stand before the judge, and that will be our day in court. But now, Jesus mediates on our behalf in God's courtroom, which is his throne room. And Jesus tells the Father who he is covering with his blood for forgiveness. And when Satan comes to falsely accuse the saints, Jesus says, nope, I died for that person. Job will have his day in court, and he already does have it, actually, because Satan and the Father are in court discussing Job. 20. If I be righteous, mine mouth doth declare me wicked. Perfect I am, it declareth me perverse. Job is saying, even when I act righteously, when I act perfectly and I obey, 
my mouth declares that I am wicked. And that's true for all of us because, as I said, the flesh will always sin. The only way that we can do righteously is if we die to our self-will and we live for Christ, which is what Job practiced. But Job in and of himself was wicked just like you and I are. So he said, even when I'm practicing righteousness through faith, I'm still me myself, I am wicked. And this is why Jesus is the only righteous one, because Jesus himself, he never sinned. 21. Perfect I am. I know not my soul. I despise my life. When he says perfect, he means blameless. He means forgiven. Even though I I was forgiven, I despise my soul and my life, because he's still getting punished anyway. He was forgiven, and then he was punished as if he wasn't forgiven. So he despises living 22. It is the same thing. Therefore, I said, the perfect and the wicked he is consuming. Job says, God consumes everyone in his fire, both the blameless and the wicked. Isn't this the truth? God even consumed his own son in his fire, in the fire of his judgment, because Jesus became the curse for us. Fire has a good and a negative connotation. For the wicked, it means everlasting destruction. But for the righteous, it means testing and purification. God does consume the righteous in his fire of testing that purifies us and makes us more like him. Our trials build character, and our character, as it grows, we become more like God because we start developing his character traits. It's through trial that you learn patience and long-suffering and kindness and self-control and humility. It's through testing that you develop those things, and that's the fire that purifies you. But for the wicked, that fire just destroys them because they don't want to be purified. 23. If a scourge doth put to death suddenly at the trial of the innocent, he laugheth. Job says, if a pestilence kills suddenly, God will still laugh even at the innocent. God has every right to laugh at anybody he wants. After all, he created us. Everything we have is gravy. We didn't deserve even to be created. The fact that we lived one day, the fact that we're taking one more breath, it's all gravy. God has every right to judge us, to test us, to try us, and to laugh at us if he wants to. But Job is confused because even though God has a right to laugh at Job's pain, God isn't actually laughing at Job's pain. He's proud of Job for remaining faithful, and that's what Job doesn't realize. 26. Earth hath been given into the hand of the wicked one, the face of its judges he covereth. If not, where? Who is he? Job is saying, God causes evil people to die, and if it's not God, who else could it be? Meaning it really is God who brings us to death. 25. My days have been swifter than a runner. They have fled. They have not seen good. He's lived a short life, which up to this point is true. He's middle-aged, which back then might have been, who knows, 60 or 70 or 80 years old, but he's still middle-aged for that time, and he believes he's going to die at any moment. So if he did die, then it would have been a short life. 26. They have passed on with ships of reed as an eagle darteth on food. You know how fast an eagle shoots down to the ground to get a mouse or a rabbit? That's how fast Job believes that he is dying. In ancient times, a long life meant great blessing. So if you died young, it was a curse. And Job believes that he is going to die young. 
27. Though I say I forget my talking, I forsake my corner, and I brighten up. 28. I have been afraid of all my griefs. I have known that thou dost not acquit me. To be acquitted is to be found not guilty in court. He's still talking about God's heavenly court. And he believes that he was never forgiven. That's the only thing he can figure out. You know, at one point he thought, I am blameless. I was forgiven. But you're punishing me anyway. And now in his grief and confusion, he's beginning to think, Maybe I wasn't forgiven at all. I was never acquitted for my sins. 29. I, I am become wicked. Why is this? In vain I labor. When we're hurting, especially if it isn't our fault, Satan will tell us that we're wicked. This is one of the very first lies that he'll whisper in your ear when you're suffering and it isn't your fault. He'll tell you it is your fault and it's because you're wicked. This is the same lie he tried to tell Job and the same lie that Job's friends believed. Just because we're suffering doesn't mean that we've sinned to deserve that particular suffering, nor does it mean that God is against us, nor does it mean that we lack faith. And this is encouraging because, you know, the whole Bible tells us to repent and tells us that judgment is coming if we don't repent and that curses will enter our life if we don't repent. This is absolutely true. But we also need to realize that when we are walking in repentance and suffering comes, that we shouldn't have false guilt. We should know that we're loved and that we're going through a test. 30. If I have washed myself with snow water and purified with soap my hands. 31. Then in corruption thou dost dip me, and my garments have abominated me. This is another reference to Christ, because Christ washes us whiter than snow in his blood. Our sins are washed whiter than snow. And Job is saying, if I take a bath and make myself really clean, you, God, will dip me in the mud again. That's kind of true because God does remind us that in and of ourselves we are wicked. We don't have any righteousness in our own flesh. But Job is saying that even though he asked for forgiveness and he practiced righteousness, he still got dipped in the mud. He is very much foreshadowing the Christ to come because Jesus got dipped in the mud too when he was in the cross. He was perfectly blameless. But on top of that, he was the only righteous one. And yet Jesus was treated as if he was the worst sinner who ever lived. Now this is where it really is a direct reference to Christ. I love this. these next two verses. 32. But if a man like myself and only Jesus lived on this earth like you and I, in the same type of human skin that you and I have, I answer him, we come together into judgment. Job is saying, if only I had a friend who understood what I'm going through, then that friend could stand with me before the throne of the Father. Because the Father doesn't know what I'm going through. He can't understand. But if I had somebody who understood to stand before me, that is Jesus Christ. Jesus understands. God is one, but the character, the soul part of God, hasn't experienced life on earth. But the Word of God, God in the flesh, who is the Word, and Emmanuel, God with us, that part of God, the Son, has experienced life on earth and knows exactly what we're going through. This is Jesus that Job is talking about. 33. If there were between us an umpire... An umpire is a mediator. 
somebody who helps decide. He doth place his hand on us both. The umpire puts one hand on the captain of one team, and he puts another hand on the captain of the other team, and he decides the matter. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus has one hand touching the Father, and the other hand touching his children and his bride. And Jesus says, Father, I have covered my bride with my blood. That settles the matter. The umpire Job was talking about is Jesus Christ. 34. He doth turn aside from off me his rod, and that would be the Father, and his terror doth not make me afraid. Job is saying, If only I had a mediator who lived in the flesh like me, and knew what it was like to be a man on earth, that mediator could intercede for me to get forgiveness from the Father, and the Father would remove his rod from me. This is absolutely true. Later on at the end of this book, you're going to see in vivid color how Job illustrates Jesus Christ in the last chapter of the book. But for now, this is a great illustration of the need for Christ. And Job is expressing his need for Jesus Christ, for a mediator who knows what he's going through and can speak to the Father on his behalf. 35. I speak and do not fear him, but I am not right with myself. And that means I can talk to a man who's lived my life and yet can mediate for me with the Father, but I can't represent myself in God's court. And that is absolutely true. You and I cannot stand before God's throne on Judgment Day on our own. We cannot do it because we've all sinned. We deserve everlasting destruction. But because of Jesus Christ, when we go to God's court on Judgment Day and we stand before the judge's throne, who is the Father, we will not stand alone. Jesus will be right by our side. The part of God who lived as a man will be right by our side and he will mediate. What a beautiful promise. And here in Job's grief, he understands the need for this promise. It's crystal clear to him what he needs. And I hope it's crystal clear to you too. And that concludes Job chapter 9.